0: Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host. Today I'm joined by Justin Wells, a reporter uh, for uh, InsideTexas.com. Uh, how are you doing today, Justin? Brother, I'm I'm great, man. It's a beautiful, sunny, slightly chilly Monday morning. I'm ready to get this week started. All right, well, I think uh, Texas fans may be too with the news that uh, Gary Patterson uh, may be uh, joining the Texas staff. I talked to Eric Nalin yesterday. Uh, he said that uh, he expects... Uh, uh, Patterson to join the Texas staff. Furthermore, uh, Sunday evening, the University of Texas on its website posted a job uh, opening that is peculiar to say the least. It is the quote, it's an opportunity to be the special assistant to the head coach. Uh, they need to that person, according to the job listing, needs to as- assist with special pro- projects assigned by the head football coach, assist with overall practice and game day preparation, statistical analysis and video analysis of opposing teams, assist with self-scouting of offense, defense and special teams, and their qualifications must be must have been an offensive or defensive coordinator in D1 football. Um, You know, I know this sounds uh, like a broken record, but that sounds a lot like uh, Gary Patterson's experience. Uh, What are you hearing and and what uh, what have you Heard about the this possibility?
1: I I liked I liked that the th- the post. I thought that was really good. It reminded me of Dwight Schrute of The Office being the assistant to the regional manager. Um, I'm sure Gary Patterson probably wouldn't like that comparison, but you know, personally, you know, anyway, Gary Patterson joins Texas. I think does help the program. Let's 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 not get you know be silly. That that's a big big jump. In what capacity? I think is the biggest key because a lot of times his hands on work that he did with his team and the defense, especially that's where you saw results. That's where you get the best Gary Patterson when there's accountable Gary Patterson, when there's, you know, in the dirt, working up plays and calls, Gary Patterson, but getting him to Austin, I think is, would be tremendous just because of his, his background. I mean, the guy is Mr. 425. The guy has done, has a statue outside of, uh, Carter stadium in Fort Worth, um, last week I spoke to a source close to, to the program close to CDC and and he said that he wouldn't be surprised if some movement would come in the next few days with Gary Patterson and of course what you and Eric had talked about yesterday. Um, I'm a, you know when I first heard this and we and we've been talking and writing about this, it feels like for a couple months, maybe not that long, but it feels like a while. It just didn't seem likely because I don't know if I've ever outside of art briles, seen a head football coach that negative recruits Texas better. I mean, I think he majored in it at Kansas State. And so at the end of the day, getting that guy, a guy that is such an, an incredible defensive mind, a guy that's – he's kind of old school. He's going to get in your face. He's going he's to tell players how it is. Some guys respond to that well, some don't. But I think Texas needs that. I think a guy like Patterson could come in and really try to help with Coach PK, kind of – pushing people in the right direction. I hope it's a, a recipe for success because you've got a lot of successful people in that bunch. And it's going to be Sark's job and, and CDC's job to another extent to make sure that all comes out and bakes and tastes good.
0: Yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, a couple things, um, the first of which is Eric uh, yesterday uh, when I was talking to him, said something that I think was very uh, astute. He said, look, at the end of the day, if Nick Saban had to uh, hire Gary Patterson, everybody would say, what a brilliant move. Right. I, I think that, that right. the same rule applies to Steve Sarkeesian at, at Texas. Uh, you know, I think that uh, that's very interesting. The second thing is is the timing of any announcement uh, The you know, here is there's there's something to consider here. Uh, a job on the University of Texas website has to be posted for seven days before it can be filled, officially filled. However, there have been uh, instances where that is not the case uh, and that they do go earlier than expected to uh, uh, announce something like this. So we are kind of on on watch for this to happen at any particular moment, uh, although uh, by the letter of the law, it may not be able to happen until next Sunday at the earliest. We'll see if Texas follows through with that. Um, The other thing I would, I would, uh, I would counter is this is the same title. And one of our, our uh, readers on inside Texas uh, was uh, quick to point out special assistant to the head coach is the same title that Jerry kill had for uh, uh, Gary Patterson Patterson at TCU. And, uh, Kill really acted as uh, a sounding board uh, for Patterson uh, for a couple of years after having been the head coach at Minnesota. Uh, And I thought that was a a, a pretty smart comment uh, that I wanted to pass along. Um, Here's the next piece for us, though, that I want to ask you, Justin. You hear, I mean, is this it for the off-field moves for, for Steve Sarkeesian? Is there a possibility he brings other people in? I mean, I don't think that there's a necessarily a limit that uh, Texas has put on Steve Sarkeesian uh, and his support staff. So what, what are you hearing in that regard? I think the staff as we see it now is how we're going to go into it
1: with the spring and probably the summer and into the fall. I think Gary is an outlier. I, I think this is one where they're, it, you know, they feel, they fill two spots, Sark wanted to fill two spots, and I don't think he could have done better with, with Ben Tashar's choice. Brennan Marion, I think, is going to be a, a, another good choice, another good selection as well. But he doesn't have the, the skins on the wall like a Tashar choice. So he did tremendous in rebuilding, kind of reshaping the, the the staff. I don't see any more movement from a staff standpoint. I think Gary Patterson's one of those. You know, it's the outlier. It's hey, we want you, we like you. We we've talked about this. We're going to give you a little bit of time to make a decision because we're not pressing to fill in another spot. And at the end of the day, if he takes it, then great, everybody's happy. And if he doesn't, you don't see any other movement there. Uh, does someone fill in that spot? That's a good question. You know that that new uh, that 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 Texas posted, and so. I, from a staff standpoint, I think they're pretty much going to go – this is how they're going to head into the spring. And, I mean, the, the players are reporting next Monday. And so you, you want to have all your guys there when, when things get off, get, get started for a, a solid 2022. And I think with the addition of the new running back and wide receiver coach, I think they're, they're, they're pretty much set when it comes to this offense or the, the, the coaching staff. And I think Gary's just an outlier, and, and they're waiting for his decision.
0: Yeah, I you know, here's my thought on that. And I'm not talking about a change in the coaching staff like the on-field coaches. I'm wondering if they could even go further in the support staff. Um, And so is there another coach that's coming, one that's been fired in the NFL in the last 24 hours, they're calling it Black Monday in the NFL, the end of the NFL regular season as always, uh, has a number of not only head coaches, but uh, assistant coaches that get fired that that have – that There's there's some college coaches out there. I'm just wondering how far uh, or if uh, Steve Sarkeesian might even go uh, further. One name that I think some people brought up is David Cutcliffe, the former Duke head coach, uh, who uh, is, you know, one of the uh, people really think of him as a, a, a very astute offensive mind and, and somebody that uh, that has been brought up. What about the off-field support staff Uh area do you see that changing or is that kind of just a whistling in the wind right now
1: no I think you nailed it David Cutcliffe I you know we haven't heard anything concrete with David Cutcliffe but we've heard a lot of whispers and I'm fortunate enough I have a couple people that I'm close to that are really close to that family you know his son's the head football coach at Oxford High in Mississippi and I know a lot of those guys over there you know David Cutcliffe I felt like Duke didn't do him well they they kind of pushed him out uh, so to speak especially a guy that that really transformed that football program, made them relevant. Um, but Cutcliffe, from what I understand, wants a role, wants a kind of an off-the-field analyst role. He loves to go chop up film. He loves to go bring quarterbacks and offensive guys in the room and kind of try to, you know, you know, figure out mistakes and that and that sort without having the responsibility of being the coach, the position guy. I know Cutcliffe. You know, m- you know, most people would think, well. Nick Saban would get him. He'd go hired out. Well, from what I understand, Cutcliffe is not really a big Nick Saban guy. I think there's a ton of respect there, but if you talk to people who have coached with Nick Saban, there's not a really positive other than you learn how to the process. There's not a lot of happy feelings there. And David Cutcliffe is what, what near late sixties, early seventies now He's not trying to get into a situation where it's a dictatorship and and it's a, you know, hardcore discipline. I think he's looking for a spot where he can just break down some film, talk football, be with the guys, maintain that camaraderie. And like I said, we haven't heard anything solid with, with Cutcliffe in regards to Texas, but there's so much, there's so many whispers because it makes a lot of sense, especially when you mention that 2023 quarterback named Arch Manning.
0: Yeah. And that, that was a, a little bit of a segue for you really. Cause you, uh, uh, again, I'm speaking with Justin Wells of Inside Texas. Uh, Justin, you spoke with Arch Manning's, uh, high school coach earlier today, published a report on Inside Texas. Uh, and in that report, you broke down some of, uh, Arch's new scholarship offers, uh, Manning, by the way, the number one rated player in the class of 2023. Give us the update that you got from, uh, head coach Nelson Stewart there at Isadora Newman High School in New Orleans.
1: You know, First of all, Coach Stewart does an, a tremendous job with Arch. I, you know, this is a different recruitment than we're used to seeing. This kid, you, there's no Twitter. There's no phone number. There's no reaching out. He has a circle. And Coach Stewart does a tremendous job shielding him to make sure it doesn't get overblown. I mean, this is a kid that goes to class and classmates want pictures classmates want autographs. That's nuts. Coach Stewart does a tremendous job there. I think he's really, he said he's really happy right now because he's playing other sports not related to football. I mean, the kid loves football. He lives it. But He doesn't want to, you know, you don't want to do that for four years, spring, summer, and fall. You'd get burned out by the time you're a junior and senior. He plays basketball. He runs track and field. And Coach Stewart even said his best sport is probably golf. He called him a scratch golfer, which I'll know that'll make Jerry Hamilton a little jealous. And so, you know, I asked him about that. He said, Justin, he's a competitor. He just wants to compete. And being in basketball, Arch gets to be one of the guys. Instead of being the number one prospect in the country, he just gets to be a teammate. He's actually a pretty good passer on the court. He takes a lot of pride in his defense. And it's one of those things where he enjoys his teammates. He enjoys being around guys and he really enjoys competing without having people taking pictures and wanting interviews. And so um, – Texas still remains in a great spot. St- Coach Stewart said that off the bat. He said AJ Milwee's been in 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 in, top, uh, in contact recently. Uh, they're trying to get Arch in. Uh, Texas is to junior day on January twenty second, which we had reported at at Inside Texas and on three. Um, it's not it's one of those things where it's probably may not happen because it's the night after a basketball game and, and Arch, isn't going to skip, skip those games to do this kind of stuff. He feels like he's obligated and he owes his team. And and you love that. You love that about the Mannings and, and their crew and how they handle that. And so, um, Michigan jumped in, Jim Harbaugh went to come by, wants to see him. They offered him, um, uh, OU is now an offer. Uh, Jeff Levy uh, reached out, the former Ole Miss coach. He had built kind of a relationship with, with with Manning at Ole Miss. He's the OU OC now. He went ahead and extended that offer, and they're going to try to continue to build on that relationship. And Stanford, David Shaw actually came through, incredibly uh, impressed with, with Manning, like many other coaches, and, and just trying to gauge his interest if Palo Alto was something that uh, he would be interested in. And so – it's uh, that the update is everybody is is still clamoring. Uh, according to Coach Stewart, it's Texas, it's Georgia, it's Alabama, it's Ole Miss, and probably Clemson. Uh, if there's a five, and so those right now, there's no plans or visits scheduled. But he does want to get out in the spring. I don't know if that's going to be the official visit capacity or unofficial, but he wants to see college practices he wants to be in team meetings he wants to watch video sessions with with the oc and 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 kind of learn and and pick up and see what he can do with that which makes complete sense when you're considering who this kid is and and how his recruitment's going to go it's very professional and very pragmatic and so uh arch manning he, he remains the priority for texas uh coach stewart said it best he said you know sark's been here more than any other coach He's been the most consistent. He's been the most authentic. And if Texas can can kind of get further away from that 5-7 and seven 2021 and closer to the momentum that they gathered in December with, with finishing strong with the 2022 class and hopefully bringing in some new guys from 2023, I think they're trying to shift to that momentum now and, and, and try to make sure that Arch sees the bigger picture, which is playing at the University of Texas for a, a renowned offensive
0: coach, quarterback mind, and, and that's where they're at right now. You know, uh, by the way, I got to mention this uh, uh, on three, the the network that uh, inside Texas is on a new network uh, came out with something called the NIL 100 name, image and likeness 100 and Arch Manning uh, a high school junior uh, was one of the top 10 in the country with a million plus dollar valuation for his name, image and likeness as a high school junior. So when you're talking uh, about classmates that are looking to sign autographs, those those numbers resonate, right? I mean, that, there's, <laughs> there's a reason. I, I didn't. I don't think that I went to high school with uh, uh, any millionaire NIL type people. At least I didn't think I did. Uh, and Bobby, real quick,
1: real quick, Bobby, that's and a lot of that's based off of your followers and social media presence. He doesn't have a social media presence. He doesn't care. He has an Instagram account for his friends. He doesn't do Twitter. He doesn't do Facebook. He does none of those. And so a lot of times though, when you build, that's how you build up a lot of your nil value is those followers, what you can bring to you. That should tell you something. This kid barely touches social
0: media and he's still in the top 10. That is power name power right there. You mentioned the junior day coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, you, you, uh, Hudson Standish, uh, Jerry Hamilton, Eric Nolene, have all been adding names to that list. Uh, um, and you also wrote an article today uh, about some other guys you talked to. Uh, one of them is Jaden Greathouse, uh, who we haven't talked about much, but he's a wide receiver out of Austin, Westlake, that that absolutely tore it up as state championship player of the game uh, yeah. and, for Westlake in that that game, or at least the offensive player of the game. Um what, where is he at in his recruitment, just to give people a feel for him right now? Greathouse is a kid. He, man, he's such a gracious kid.
1: He's such a positive. Uh, you wanna, if you ask him about recruiting during the regular season, he's not going to talk about it because he says, I'm more focused on this next week. I'm focused on my team. I'm focused on this goal. That's how, that's how he is. He's just wired differently. Um, he's one of those kids. He's kind of a tweener. Is he a wide receiver? Is he a tight end? Can he you know slide in as an H back? He's at six foot two, 215, 220 pounds now. And so the, the thing that you need to know is Texas wants him, no matter what position it is, no matter if it's going to be a receiver, it's going to be a, like a flex tight end inside Texas wants him. Jeff Banks, Remains in consistent contact with him. They, they've built that relationship. Notre Dame came through with an offer last week. They're jumping in the mix now. He's one of those kind of kids, too, that you wonder what his ceiling is because he's been so productive in three years of high school. He still has another year of high school football, and his numbers are incredible, not to mention he's got three rings. And so, great house as a kid, I don't think he has a timeline. I don't think he has a specific school that he particularly like in the lead but I do know he likes Texas I do know he likes his teammates that are playing at Texas I do know he's visited a handful of games kind of under the radar he's not a kid that's going to tweet it out he's not going to post out stuff on Instagram stories he's kind of to himself he doesn't like he doesn't need the attention and so I bring up Great House because he's a kid we have to pay attention to we have to monitor as long as Texas continues to to allocate the resources they do in this recruitment, we've got to know about him. And that, and and let's just be honest. He he can produce at the next level. We just don't know where it's going to fit. He's a throwback football player and and it looks like Texas wants to find a spot that they feel so good about him on and off the field. Let's find a spot for him, and let's not forget Texas didn't sign a tight end in the last class. So I'd be shocked if they don't bring in two guys. And let's say that you know they bring in La- Lafayette Cowaway from from Arlington, Sam Houston, which was a great early eval by the Texas staff. Give them credit. You snag him, and you snag a Jaden Greathouse, and that that that's two great tight ends if you put great outs in that category in that class. And then you're also looking at Will Randall. the is a door Newman tied in who's close with Arch Manning. Jeff Banks is still calling him. They still talk on a regular basis. And so, it's one of those things is are going to be the numbers are going to be tricky here. And, but it, feel, I feel like Texas wants to fit him in somewhere. They
0: feel like he's a fit from a
1: personality standpoint, from a physical standpoint and for production standpoint.
0: Yeah. I think that he's actually a, a more of a receiver than a tight end prospect at this point. I mean, the guy that he ran past in the state championship game a couple of times, Ryan Yates is pretty highly ranked and recruited and, uh, Absolutely. A great house. A couple times look, looked like he was leaving him in the dust. Um, before I let you go, I want to get your thoughts. Of course, there's a big game uh, tonight, uh, Alabama, Georgia. Uh, which way you headed on that game? Just so you know, just so we, we can talk about it. I think it's funny that Georgia's the
1: favorite. And uh, you know, I knew I knew why they were the favorite the first time they played. To me, I thought Georgia was the best team in the country. I thought they had the best defense. But what we learned is that Bryce Young might be just a little bit different than the, the other Alabama quarterbacks. And you said this best. I think you wrote this a couple of weeks ago. If you're going to get Alabama, you better get them this year because that whole – most of that group is returning next year. I just – if if it's coming down to Stetson Bennett and Bryce Young, I'm going with Bryce Young. I, I can't understand how Kirby Smart has fumbled the quarterback position year after year – recruiting at such an elite level I feel almost feel bad because if Georgia cannot win this game tonight what does that tell the program what we have to wait till Nick Saban retires you have and and he may not he he might be like Betty White he might hit a hundred before he's done you never know so at at this point I feel I feel like Georgia they have more to play for because if they lose this game you're what is that zero and six for smart against, against Saban since he's been there. And this is definitely Georgia's best football team, especially on the defensive side. It's their best group. It's one of the best defenses up up front that you've seen in college football in years. I think Alabama wins. I think the process wins out. I think Nick Saban puts on that leather jacket and he gives you that little smirk of a smile because he knows he's going to get what is seventh, eighth ring. I've run out of, I run out. He's about to run out of fingers he's like bill russell he's gonna start putting them on his toes and so i got alabama tonight I, i thought georgia would do a lot better in the first game but all they did was alabama took their first surge and just completely flipped it on them i hate that alabama's missing a couple skill guys on offense but i'm not putting my horse on stetson benton
0: bennett i know Georgia has a good defense bryce young
1: that's the guy
0: Yeah, I I actually – I'm going to go with Georgia uh, tonight, separate from you. I think that – I think they played nine guys on defense. This will be their last college game. Um, Uh, At least.
1: Yeah. They're loaded.
0: I think that the the best – even though Jamison Williams is the most explosive receiver on the Alabama offense, John Mechie was the best receiver for Alabama, and he helped them out tremendously – uh, in that game, uh, you're first right. game, so I'm actually uh, gonna go with uh, with Georgia tonight. Stetson Bennett, you're right, he's a he's Greg McElroy esque in that he is he's nothing but a bus driver, pretty good one, team manager, um, yeah, but but walk on great yeah. story, yeah, but but the point <laughs> being, I just feel like uh, there's something about and I do think that that there's something to be having to beat people twice in one matchup, you know, Florida State uh uh in Florida, so I guess a decade or so ago, or fifteen years ago or so, did the same thing, coming out of one in uh a game in, in Tallahassee to the game in uh, the Sugar Bowl in, in New Orleans where Florida came back and won. But all right. Well Justin, I appreciate you, man. Uh thanks for the information on Patterson, uh talking a little bit about some other possible coaches and Arch Manning as well. For Justin Wells, I'm Bobby Burton. Please click subscribe to this video and please visit InsideTexas.com.